Welcome to the underground. Turn me up, bitch! My Little Underground with Peter A. It's My Little Underground. I'm Peter A. Make sure you're listening anywhere you get podcasts. And you can follow me on socials at MLUPod. You can also subscribe to the monthly My Little Underground newsletter. And that's on PeterARadio.com along with some playlists, and the My Little Underground archives. And today on the show, we're going to be talking about a very special album to me, and that is My Bloody Valentine's second album, Loveless, released 30 years ago this coming November, and is one of the most influential albums of the last 30 years. And it's an album and a band that changed me, and changed how I looked at music for. Ever. So let's dive on in, shall we? So this is Loveless. This is the follow-up to the band's first album, 1988's Isn't Anything. And this album, while not as praised as Loveless, is still very iconic in its own right. And I think a track like All I Need from this project definitely paved the way to what Loveless became and what we know as Shoegaze. Now, Loveless, two years later, was released November the 4th, 1991. Now, this is the same year where a few other landmark albums came out at the same time, and I'm talking about Nirvana's Nevermind and A Tribe Called Quest's Low End Theory. Now, Nevermind specifically was a groundbreaking album for a lot of reasons because what we know as grunge or the entire alternative radio format exists because of this album and a lot of other you know artists before that but nevermind itself was um definitely a game changer and um same with the tribe called quests low end theory and i think we wouldn't have jay dilla and subsequently kanye west even madlib if it wasn't for this album, I, I think. You know, the very... Well, De La Soul, b- before this, the whole Native Tongues uh, movement. Um, very sample-based, soulful jazz production. Um, definitely paved the way for a ton of artists. And um, this album... The influence of this album is just... You know, you can't... It's everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, any... Underground to the mainstream of hip-hop this album's influence definitely rings true. The same with Nirvana's Nevermind and My Bloody Valentine's Loveless. Now, the only difference between Loveless and Nevermind and Low End Theory is that Loveless was kind of overshadowed by by these albums. Um, But again, the influence of My Bloody Valentine is overwhelming, which we'll get into later on. So uh, some quick fun facts, if you will, about Loveless. This project took two years to make the total cost is about in today's dollars um 40 480,000 pounds and in u.s dollars that translates to a roughly seven hundred thousand dollars this was recorded painstakingly throughout 19 different studios and the cost of this album caused a lot of tension between the band's label creation and it kind of subsequently led to the breakup of the group a few years after this album came up and the bankruptcy of Creation 
records. Loveless definitely became the key identifier to what we know as shoegaze, which is, you know, to put it simply, just a brand of noisy, ethereal indie rock. Now, My Bloody Valentine was not the first band to experiment with this kind of sound. Um, they have a lot of influences. They pull a lot of different things from a lot of other legendary groups that came before them. Um, more specifically, Jesus and Mary Chain's Psycho Candy album from 1985. It has a lot of, it's very noisy and it's very melodic. Um, it's not, I mean, Psycho Candy is not exactly My Bloody Valentine, but there's some things that are there, especially some of the B-sides to Psycho Candy definitely have a lot of what Shoegaze um, became. And of course, Cocktoo Twins. Elizabeth Frazier's vocal techniques, definitely, if you hear My Bloody Valentine and go listen to Cocktoo Twins, you're just gonna, you're gonna get it. Um, and I highly recommend the documentary Beautiful Noise that came out in uh, 2014. Um, it explains everything. Everything. And it kicks off with Cocktoo Twins. Enough said. Um, oh, I, I, you know, as far as like early influences, I mean, we'll get into this a, a, a little bit later, but um, in Beautiful Noise, Billy Corrigan is, uh, he speaks a lot in that. And, and Smashing Pumpkins, especially a lot of their earlier guitar riffs are definitely come from My Bloody Valentine, especially if you listen to like Siamese, uh, was Siamese Dream? I think that was 1991. Um, there's a lot of um, My Bloody Valentine in there as well. Um, now, for me, what this album did for me, it changed the way I look at music. And at the same time, it highlighted what I already love about music. As far as what My Bloody Valentine already had that kind of just brought me in was their melody. There's a lot of beautiful, lush melodies on loveless it's a pretty album at the same time it is very noisy um when i first heard loveless i thought there was something wrong with my computer that you know what i mean i've never heard anything like that before listening to my bloody valentine and when i heard on the you know on the internet uh, people talking about my bloody valentine i was thinking that they were talking about the other band, Bullet For My Valentine, which I'm not really a big fan of. Um, and when people were talking about Shoegaze, I thought Shoegaze was another band. <laughs> I had no idea it was another um, you know, uh, genre of music, if you will. Now, about, you know, th but there's so much to say. Like, it's... When you hear My Bloody Valentine from the first time, at least when I did, I was kind of speechless. I just didn't know what to think, but I wanted to hear more of it. Now, more specifically, with Loveless, the opening track, Only Shallow, you're hit with a quick, hard drum intro, and then you're just attacked with a barrage of swirling, noisy guitars, and then... The juxtaposition comes in. You have the sweet Belinda Butcher 
her warm voice just kind of serenades you. So you're you're getting this beautiful noise um, juxtaposition. You're you're getting barrage and attacked with these noisy guitars, but then you have these sweet vocals from Belinda Butcher. That's just this cloudy cushion. It's it's just beautiful. And one of my favorite tracks on this album, I still listen to it to this day. It is To Hear Knows When. And to me, in my personal opinion, this is what being on a cloud sounds like. Yeah. And also what your air conditioner sounds like when it starts singing. Really, it's just it's beautiful chaos. And one of the, the highlights of this tune is the intr- instrumental coda at the end. So it's there's this noisy, hypnotic, guitar chugging. It, it sounds like your record is messed up. It sounds like a warped record. Um, but it's quite gorgeous. And then there's sometimes where you're hit with these heavy guitars and these acoustic guitar licks kind of dancing with each other. Again, there's just this kind of uh, juxtaposition of noise and just beauty. It's just be- amazing. Um, and it, essentially, you know, on sometimes Kevin Shields is basically rocking you to sleep. I would, I don't know, maybe I would recommend this sp- specific song. I'm not too sure about the entire album. Um, if you're trying to get your child to go to sleep, you know, it's a very peaceful song, even though there is a lot of chaotic noise going on, but it's still kind of beautiful. And now, the influence of Loveless um, and My Bloody Valentine in general. Now, 30 years, it's been 30 plus years since Loveless has been out. Um, And since that time, they've only released one other album. And that was a self-titled album in 2013. And since they reunited in 2007 there was a bit of a shoegaze revival happening. Around this time, you had A Placeberry Strangers. You had A Sunny Day in Glasgow, The Pains of Being Pure at Heart, and, of course, The Ravenettes. And throughout the 2010s, you had The Rise of No Joy. You had Beach House, History of Apple Pie, Parakeet, Mercury Girls, Wild Honey, and Eternal Summers. All these bands and plenty of other groups throughout the indie scene around the, around this time were very influenced by um, My Bloody Valentine and Loveless. You, you hear it. Even if none of these artists ever openly express their love of My Bloody Valentine, you just hear it in their music. You, just, you hear it. Um, then I also almost forgot Animal Collective. You know, I've, I've been listening to a lot of uh, Meriwether Post Pavilion and... There's a lot of shoegaze elements in that album. Do they approach music the same exact way as Kevin Shields does? Absolutely not. But there, there's a lot of ethereal, swirling instrumentation going on here that is very reminiscent of um, My Bloody Valentine. Um, and of course, Panda Bear is, as well. Um, there's a, a, a lot of just... The theory of vocals, it, the theory of, it's not what is it said, but how it's said. Uh, I, there's a lot of that going on. If you listen to um, 
Animal Collectives and uh, Panda Bear's music um, as well. Now, within the mainstream, you have Kevin Parker of Tame Impala. Um, he's been open about his My Bloody Valentine influence, about uh, how much that band has meant to him. Especially if you listen to Lonerism and Currents, um, there's a lot of shoegaze elements in there. And again, um, it's, they don't approach it the same way. They There's just a little... Um, like some seasoning. There's My Bloody Valentine seasoning on their steak, if you will. And that, that's another thing. A lot of the bands I named that are influenced by My Bloody Valentine, they're not essentially just blatantly blatantly ripping them off. You know, They, they take a little bit here and there and they just do it their own way. Um, especially like No Joy. Um, there is a lot... Uh, especially in their earlier work, a lot of very noisy, heavy guitars and a lot of ethereal vocals from uh, Jasmine White Gluz, the, the, the front woman of the project. But as time went on, they evolved their sound into their own unique direction. Still keeping that Bloody Valentine Shoegaze influence, but not just living and breathing by what made that album special it's just you know you have a foundation and you're just building upon the foundation like all these all the bands that i name they have the 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 loveless foundation of their houses but all their homes look completely different and completely different neighborhoods and also within the mainstream you know the the black keys um especially you, you must think i'm crazy of the black keys how the black keys influenced by my bloody valentine well on their 2014 album turn blue especially the tune bullet in the brain um, when they were doing interviews for this album, they expressed their love and admiration for My Bloody Valentine and how much it influenced them. Um, and I was kind of surprised because I, I, I know before hearing this uh, that particular Black Keys album, I just knew the Black Keys being inspired by old R&B records, you know, Otis Redding and, and older Southern blues artists like Junior Kimbrough and Aural Burnslot, I never thought of the Black Keys having any sort of influence from My Bloody Valentine. And then when Turn Blue came out, they had this kind of um, more psychedelic approach to their music, and you heard, you hear the My Bloody Valentine influence, and the shoegaze influence on a song like uh, Bullet in the Brain. Yeah, and it's just, um, it just goes to show you, like, My Bloody Valentine is a very special group and the shoegaze sound they definitely were uh, a catalyst in um what the, the genre is like when people think shoegaze and if, he, if someone asks me on the street what is shoegaze i'm gonna say my bloody valentine loveless but you can also say lush ride um, and of course, Cock the Twins, Jesus and Mary Chain, at least their first album or so. Um, but there's been a lot of other great uh, modern shoegaze influence act, um, such as Peel Dream Magazine, former guest on, on the show. Um, they have tons of shoegaze elements in their music. Um, and if you listen to um, The Slumberlands and Fortuna Pop um, 
a compilation that they put out about five years ago, Continental Drift. A lot of shoegaze influence on there as well. Um, and again, this album really just changed how I looked at music. Like, noise can be pretty. And I was a Sonic Youth fan before discovering My Bloody Valentine. And they also opened my ears to how noise can be pretty. And at the same time, Nirvana as well. A lot of uh, grimy, but still melodic elements to, to their music that... Um, I really love it. I guess, you know, the song is just what matters. I don't care what you're doing as long as the song is there. Now, My Bloody Valentine, when you listen to their music, you can't really understand what they're saying because it's not what is what is said. It's how it's delivered and what the composition is like overall to me. You know, when you're listening to like to hip hop, right, it's it's about the words but it's also about the song and how the words are put together. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily what the words mean exactly. They can be totally abstract. The only thing that matters is the song, is the music. And My Bloody Valentine, as chaotic as they may be, they still have, they still make good music. It's just good music. Um, if you're at a summer barbecue, would I request My Bloody Valentine? No, not necessarily. Maybe when, you know, it's getting darker out and things are starting to wind down. Yeah, why not? Why not put on some My Bloody Valentine to turn a few heads? You know what I mean? Like, I want to see that. I want to see people's first, you know, listen and their first experience and the looks on their faces when they hear My Bloody Valentine because it's not for everybody. You know, it's a, it's it's head-turning music. Um, But if you... If you're in, like, you know, involved or kind of intertwined with, like, you know, especially the underground music scene, you've probably uh, been there, uh, done that with, like, shoegaze, and etc. But this type of music has been, um, you know, crucial to me because every time I hear a bit of their influence in certain artists and it's executed well and it's not just mimicking, like, complete mimicking, um, I'm going to keep my ears open. I will. Um... Uh, these days, I've been, I'm have i a big fan of the band Parakeet, right? Um, they put out an album called Kaza about five years ago. I still listen to that end over end because uh, Mariko Doi's brand of what the shoegaze sound is is unique to her, but you hear the Bloody Valentine influence. But uh, her brand of it is um, it's, it's a lot more sugary, a little bit more noisy, and more um, solid. Like, Bloody Valentine is more loose and free. Um, but yeah, even my former guests, A Place of Very Strangers, they're just more chaos. But you still hear that, uh, the, the, the beautiful noise element. There's a, there's, there's sweet melody in there, in the midst of all the chaos. So, I love My Bloody Valentine. I absolutely love Loveless. Big shout out to Domino Records for re-releasing... Um, Loveless and MBV. Um, I spent a pretty penny on both, but they're worth it because these are some of my favorite albums ever. So I highly recommend Loveless and My Bloody Valentine's catalog. And some of their early work is a little more crazy than Loveless and more chaotic. Um, but I also recommend that so you see where, like, how they grew as a band. So, 
If you haven't heard my buddy Valentine, get out of your rock for just a little while. You know, it's okay to get out of your rock for... It's okay to be under a rock for a little bit, but it's a, it's also great to come out of it. For just, just a little while. Um, and just be shocked and amazed by the chaos, the beautiful chaos that is these Irish shoegazers, these Irish innovators. That is My Bloody Valentine. And this has been My Little Underground. I'm Peter A. Make sure you're listening wherever you get podcasts. And please subscribe to the My Little Underground monthly newsletter. And that's on PeterARadio.com. And also playlists that I made and the My Little Underground archives. All right. Later days. (laughs) 